Welcome, everyone, to the Boondoggles, Blind Squirrels, and Broken Clocks podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and I'm joined again, as always, by my good friend and the gambling guru, Mr. Chad Ford. Chad, how we doing this morning, bud? Oh, man, I'm doing great. Just trying to keep warm over here. Yeah, man, a little cool, a kind of foggy day here in uh, in yeah. Oklahoma City, man. So uh, not, uh, you know, not, to, not that we don't get fog from time to time, but uh, an interesting uh, uh, weather uh, pattern here that we've got. I thought it was going to be warm enough to maybe sneak off and play some golf this afternoon, Chad, but I, I just don't know now. Now you get your, your sickos <laughs> like our, our man Jay Till over at the YSO pod. He'll play when it's 14 degrees and snow on the ground, but I'm uh, I'm more of a fair weather guy, I think. So. Yeah, I can't, I can't do that, man. It hurts the hands. It hurts the feet. Oh. And the, the one thing I hate being is just cold yes you know and it, all of a sudden your toes are cold your hands are cold your face is snotty and I, that's just not fun to me and we're getting old chad you know we just don't we I don't know. handle we the elements are. as well as we used to my friend so that's uh, that that's part of life i guess if you live long enough you're going to get old that's what i'm told my friend so <laughs> well, well well brother we got all kinds of good stuff to talk about this week uh, we got we got nfl right we're, we're divisional rounds over we moved on to the conference championships we're down to the final four as well we got big trades in the nba it happened right after we recorded the pod last week so i got to get your thoughts on that college basketball all kind of starting to heat up and, and, and get to the heart of conference play. But as always, my friend, before we get into it, we've got to show some love to our favorite sports bar. And of course, that's Chalk Sports Bar. Chalk is Oklahoma City's premier luxury sports bar located in Chisholm Creek Plaza at 1324 West Memorial Road. Chad Venn and the entire team over at Chalk do an amazing job, and our listeners can follow them all on the web at chalkokc.com or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at chalkokc. Again, in my humble opinion, it's the closest thing to a Vegas sports book you're going to find in Oklahoma, and the food just can't be beat. Always the favorite, that's Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. And now, now, Chet, I, I'm sure you guys have some specials going on Sunday afternoon, right, for uh, conference championships games, right? So I know we've had some local tie-ins with our guys over at Coop and Will and & Wiley and all kinds of other fun stuff, but but what do we got going on this weekend, bud? All the all the same good stuff, man. We're we're still doing the five dollar nacho plate, like Thunder that's games. a personal plate of nachos for everything, and then we're still doing four dollar uh, Will and Wiley seltzers with the locals and whatnot. Um, we'll do some local local beers at four and five dollars, depending on which one you go. Uh, but yeah, come on out for a good time, man. We got the big screens going. We got over a hundred TVs in the place, and you're always guaranteed to have a uh, personal TV. Um, to watch whatever you're gonna want to watch. Absolutely, we got golf this weekend as well. So we got the American oh, yeah. Express, uh, you know, out out in uh, California and stuff. So all kinds of good stuff uh, coming up this weekend. Looking forward to it as well. And again, I think the weather's gonna be maybe a little rain here in Oklahoma City. So you probably probably a good uh, good time to stay inside and watch sports this weekend. So, well, well brother, we we got to pick up NFL divisional divisional round recap. I guess kudos to you, my friend. I gave you and, uh, and our man Butterball some love on, on Twitter this week, but you guys went four for four. You crushed it, man. So I'm hoping that uh, <laughs> that from a from a from a monetary standpoint, perhaps, or at least from a, from a unit standpoint, you you cashed in on those great picks. But but you nailed all four of them, man. So but I, I guess let's just start right at the top, right? So Packers over Rams, 32 to 18, uh, kind of went the way that we thought. Although I think there was more points scored in it than maybe what I thought, bud. There was absolutely more points scored. I was I was with you. I thought this was going to be a lower scoring game. Um, I definitely thought the Packers were going to be there in like the twenty four to ten range, twenty four thirteen, something like that. Definitely thought they'd cover the touchdown. It got a little dicey there at the end, though. I mean, the Rams they played tough and hung around, and um, we basically needed a um, you know touchdown from the Packers to cover outside of a push because that line ended up anywhere from six and a half to seven and a half. So landing right on seven. Um, you know, kind of there at the end before the Packers last touchdown, that would have been detrimental to 
kind of a lot of people, but it would have yeah. been right on par with what Vegas thought. Yep, absolutely. And again, uh, no no surprise that the Packers win, but I'm with you. I, I, I really came away impressed with the Rams, you know, and really kind of, you know, they weren't at 100%, right? So they talked about Aaron Donald and kind of the rib injury that he played. And, and, you know, they said that they weren't limiting his snaps, Chad, but there was a whole lot of cuts to him standing over on the sideline during, uh, you know, kind of uh, early or second half uh, uh, of that match or, or that game. And, uh, and then obviously, um, you know, you had uh, Jared Goff with a thumb injury, although I thought he played okay. You know, again, I, I'm sure that it was probably sore and kind of limiting him especially in the cold weather up there but uh yeah Packers I mean they're really really good right so we're going to talk about them a little bit later in the pod they're going to uh, host the NFC championship game there at Lambeau and stuff but again about what we thought with regards to you know maybe 10 points 14 points when it was all said and done and and again we did get lucky there we got a, a, a last touchdown by the pack there in the fourth quarter that kind of sealed that game away made us feel good about ourselves going into the nightcap Chad and obviously, I, I was looking looking forward to this one, man. I really thought that this was going to be maybe the game of the weekend, right? So a lot of people were looking on uh, focus on Bucks and Saints on Sunday evening. And we'll get to that one for the, obviously the quarterback matchup there. But you know, the Ravens were looking good; they were coming into it, felt like they had their swagger back. The Bills, super young, exciting team. Josh Allen at quarterback. You know, we're thinking there's going to be fireworks in this one, and this was a defensive slugfest. Chad, seventeen to three, the final. Again, we both had the Bills. The Bills end up covering here, but definitely not the game script that we anticipated uh but your thoughts on this one again only 20 points total in this one absolutely and uh, i'm right there with you like i thought this would be a little bit more high scoring affair um the bills and the ravens over the past you know six to eight weeks have been showing that they were more offensive minded uh teams and game plans of what they've been doing but you're right this just became an overall slugfest and the ravens could never get going you know um and looking back on it now you you know you've got the You've got that Bill secondary with both the White brothers, cousins, um, whatever it is that are just, you know, shut down corners for whatever the case may be. Um, obviously, you know, with the Ravens, teams like to play a lot of zone coverage, and that always helps for Lamar Jackson. The one-on-one coverage is not something you usually see, um, you know, when, when playing Lamar because, you know, you – you've got to have that zone coverage. Everybody stays in their spots and protects against him, you know, firing off for 60, 70 yards. So I think the bills were almost, you know, kind of like a Mike Tyson mentality. Like everybody's got a game plan until you get hit in the mouth. And I think the bills just came out and hit the Ravens in the mouth. And, um, Let's be honest, you know, the, the the turning point of that game was a 101-yard interception return. I mean, they were going in, it was 10-3, to 3, and Ravens sitting there going, hey, we're going to tie this thing. And uh, then Lamar Jackson throws his first ever pick in the red zone, and it goes 101 yards the other way, and all of a sudden it's 17-3, and it never – it never uh, stops from that. Yeah, just incredible play there. And, and again, you know, Taron Johnson was the uh, the guy that actually had that 101-yard pick. And you mentioned yeah. it, yeah. I mean, the Ravens on the doorstep going in to score. They're on the 8- or 9-yard line, whatever it was, and uh, looking like they were getting ready to tie the game up at 10 in just a, a back-breaking play. And then, obviously, well, I think it was the next series or the series after that, you know, uh, uh, Lamar Jackson gets the concussion. He goes out. And then, really, it, it was kind of all she wrote from that point forward. I think the Bills probably kind of got a little conservative from a, from a play-calling standpoint as well. Uh, relying on that defense, knowing that the Ravens probably weren't going to be able, you know, to score two touchdowns, you know, in the fourth quarter to kind of tie that game up. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the the Bills – 
you know, again, have to be impressed. They they continue to find different ways to win. I think which which is kind of the sign of a good football team, right? We we rewind back to the wild card weekend and we talked about that uh, matchup with the Colts and and you know we both thought the Colts were a pretty good team. In that stat, that was you know the Colts were the first team to have over 400 yards of offense, no turnovers, and give up no sacks and still lose the game. You know we kind of talked about well maybe the Bills took their best shot and still found it, found a way to win here. Not the game script and not the way that we thought it was going to go, but but again the Bills win and, and end up winning by two. Touchdowns touchdowns right so yeah. impressive impressive performance and uh, sets up a big matchup this weekend in Arrowhead the Kansas City Chiefs uh, let, let's move ahead to Sunday Chad so this one was maybe a little tighter than than the most of the experts think maybe not you I, I know you you had the Browns on this one and you like the Browns to kind of keep this thing close Chiefs end up winning it 22 to 17 but man I mean this thing was tight in the fourth quarter obviously the big storyline was uh, Patrick Mahomes getting concussed going out Chad Henney comes in and kind of saves the day uh, for for lack of a better term for the Chiefs here but the Browns the Browns were really close to pulling off the upset in this one Chad and obviously the Browns end up covering I think that line went off at right at 10 nine and a half 10 depending upon your book where you were at I sucked out on this one because I had the Chiefs on a tee so I had got it down to four <laughs> the Chiefs win by five so so uh, I was was very fortunate in this one. I was definitely sweating it out. But uh, you know, your thoughts on Browns and Chiefs? And again, Browns kind of maybe similar to the Rams in that you know we they end up losing the game, but maybe we come away a little bit more impressed or, or a little bit more respect for that club, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, the Browns have been they're scrappers, whatnot. You know, everybody takes on kind of the mentality of their quarterback. Um, and when you look at Baker Mayfield, he's always been a scrapper. He's he's always played with a chip on his shoulder. No one ever selected him first on the playground. You know, never got a scholarship, won the high, you know, walked on at two different universities, finally got a scholarship, got the Heisman, got the number one pick. And all people have done over the past three years is basically kind of shit on him. You know, one, he came out in a class that had, you know, Lamar Jackson, which in his second year won the MVP. He came out in a class with Josh Allen, which Josh Allen is – proving just physically he is yep. he is He's a man the real among deal. men yep. um you know just big strong quarterback and there was always you know questions about Josh Allen whether he'd be able to um you know kind of pick up uh, you know the accuracy mentality you know he played at Wyoming and so he was only 50 56 percent in college and how is that going to relate to the NFL well he's he's put the work in and he's he's done fair fairly well for him but I think Baker just elicits such a polarizing um, persona. And I would sit there and say, if you look at Baker's overall season, it was pretty good. I mean, you're probably talking top 10 quarterback, maybe top 12 quarterback in the NFL. Um, they, they're not asking him to go win games. I mean, th that defense is pretty stout. That run game is awesome. And he's got some weapons on the outside. Now injuries hurt him this year, obviously, but I think that's a scrappy bunch and one that I would say is kind of a dark horse on the AFC uh, the next couple of years. I mean, obviously the Chiefs and the Bills got it figured out. You know, we've got the the future. What I, I, I still think, you know, Mahomes and Josh Allen are like future Hall of Fame players. Um, and so it's interesting on one side, you got the AFC, that's like the new guard of quarterbacks. And then the NFC, you've got the old guard at quarterbacks coming in to figure out where it goes. But I sit there and I think, look, Hey, if you're a Browns fan, I'm long Browns. I, I think they've, I think they've got the coach. I think they've got the quarterback. Um, and I think they're going to do well over these next 10 years. Will it end in a Super Bowl? I don't know. I don't know if Cleveland could survive winning a Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> yeah. That town, basically. But, would, they'd burn it to the ground. Oh, they? my God. It would. It's, it's done, you know. But 
I do sit there and think they're going to have an opportunity. Um, you know, it's just going to be one of those things that whether, you know, the stars align, I think it's going to be tough to beat the Chiefs over the next three or four years. And I think it's going to be tough to beat the Bills over the next three or four years. So we'll see where it ends up. Uh, the Ravens are always going to be a, a wild card in there. And, uh, you know, with what we're seeing out of Miami, um, I I think they might have an opportunity depending on how Tua or if they go and get Deshaun Watson. Yeah, a lot of, lot of talk about that this week. A lot mm-hmm. of talk, a lot of talk, but we'll see where it is. You know, um, I, I think Cleveland's got it right. I really do. And I, you know, I think they were scrappy enough. Do I think they cover if Mahomes stays in the game? No, I don't. I think, I think they, I think the chiefs win by two touchdowns. I really do. But you know, kudos for them for clawing back and Hey, that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes if you're Kansas city and they held on, you know, kudos to them. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned it, you know, it looked like maybe at halftime that the chiefs are getting ready to pull away. Right. So they go in with a 19 to three halftime lead. The Browns come out and get one back. Right. So it's 19 to 10 before a a home. Mahomes kind of goes out, but you know, I I guess you got to give some dap uh, to to Chad Henney. Hell, I'd forgot about him, Chad. I I didn't even realize he was still in the league, man. So I remember, I remember him playing at, you know, Michigan way back in the day and, and had, had, some you know starting gigs kind of a journeyman quarterback quarterback in the nfl for you know over a decade i guess now and then comes in the play calling by andy reed down the stretch and then also just the execution by henny i mean they went forward on a couple of fourth downs and stuff i mean kind of some some ballsy moves that you know and maybe just trusting in their defense as well saying hey if this doesn't work out you know we trust you guys to be able to stop the browns but yeah i mean he was rolling the dice and kind of left it all out there and um, i mean that was a it was a really entertaining game may it probably end up being the best game of the weekend i guess so after it was all said and done. Absolutely it was, you know, and like you said about Chad Henney, like he's a career journeyman, never made, you know, that much money. But you look back over 13 years and the guy has pocketed $35 million in career earnings as being a career backup. You know, I mean, obviously he 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 started a couple years there uh, for the Dolphins. But, I mean, these are those type of players that you got to sign. You got to sign for, you know, two, three million to sit there and have a backup quarterback, just like a, a Chase Daniel or whatnot. That's always going to be there. And they're, you know, they barely get into the game, but if they do, you're going to have confidence on them on going for it on fourth and one and throwing, you know, yeah. fucking out route to Tyree kill. Uh, like you said, it took balls and, you know, he goes and scampers for 14 yards and then throws that pass, which, I, I was one believing just like Tony Romo. There's no way they're hiking this ball. They're not hiking this ball. There's no way they're going for they this. Sold and then it well. Andy did it. And it's like, Oh my, I mean that just the balls of Andy Reed for one. And I guarantee you, you know, if Andy Reed hadn't already won that locker room, he got even more respect for making that call. So, um, you know, kudos there. Um, but yeah, it, it's small players like that. Chad Henney, come in and make a difference in the divisional round. And uh, it's exciting to see who's going to be that player in the conference championship. Yeah, we, we always kind of remember the playoffs in past years of moments, right? So, you know, what, yeah. what was that moment that kind of jumped out to us? And then the Chiefs go on and, and win, win back-to-back or even win this weekend and make it to the Super Bowl. A lot of people are going to point back to that, to Chad Henney coming in on that that third down scramble, you know, ends up just short, and then they end up picking it uh, picking up the fourth down there uh, on the very next play to Tyreek Hill. But, yeah, just some, some big moments there down the stretch. And, you know, really kind of, you know, a testament to the whole, you know, the depth of the squad, right, an entire team. We think about Patrick Mahomes and such a transformational player that he is. And it does 
does seem like that Patrick Mahomes is going to play this Sunday uh, against Buffalo, which I think we all expect him to. But uh, yeah. um, he, he's been participating in practice and uh, you know, kind of following the concussion protocols. And so all things, all signs point to him uh, uh, strapping it on and, uh, and and playing on Sunday. But uh, yeah, just a just a fun game to watch and some big moments there. And again, um, I'm with you, uh, Baker, and uh, in the Browns, I think I, I think it's good to be long on them, right? So it's going to be an interesting yeah. dynamic in that AFC North too, because you mentioned it. You know, the Steelers has always been the class. You know, over the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years, whatever it's been, they seem to be a team that maybe is in transition now, right? Big Ben at the yeah. end of his career, you know, kind I'd of be searching. I'd be a Steeler fan. Yeah, need to search for an identity. But you mentioned those three young quarterbacks in that division: Baker, uh, Lamar Jackson, and then obviously Joe Burrow, who was looked really, really good until he had that uh, that bad knee injury kind of midway through the season. You would expect him to come yeah. back uh, that on the for the Bengals as well. But uh, yeah, that's going to be a fun division to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, might be a, a shift in the power dynamic up there in the AFC North. So, well, well Chad, you know, talking about two quarterbacks uh, at the other end of the spectrum, my friend, you alluded to it earlier, you know, a big, big uh, game going into Sunday. You know, a lot of people were pointing to this one, Tom Brady versus Drew Brees. Is it going to be the last time that these two Spartans uh, of the NFL kind of square off, you know, a combined age of 85 years old between the two? You know, I wasn't buying into the whole, oh, it's hard to beat a team three times, blah, blah, blah. I thought the Saints and that defense would be able to make enough plays. But but really, unfortunately, probably not the swan song that Drew Brees wanted because he struggled in the second half, threw, threw a couple of costly picks. And, and uh, you know, the turnovers is eventually what ended up costing the Saints. But you were spot on again, my friend. Bucks win this 30-20. to 20, uh, But your thoughts on Bucks and Saints from Sunday afternoon? Yeah, and it, it sucks for Drew Brees because, I mean, that was absolutely his worst game he's ever had in the playoffs. Yep. Um, it was in the Superdome. Like, it, you know, I, I I, don't know. Like, that Bucks defense just made him look old. And I guarantee you everybody in that Saints locker room has put it, given him a pat on his back and saying, hey, you know, congratulations, and hey, this is on us too, not just you. But I guarantee you everybody in that front office and everybody in that locker room is sitting there going, please retire, man. Like uh, we don't want to get into this situation to where you want to come back for one more year. It's not fair to like, we need to move on. Um, because like we've talked about this whole year on this podcast, that arm just ain't the same. You cannot push the ball downfield and they just, you cannot do the dink and dunk thing in the NFL anywhere more and be successful to get to the ultimate prize. Like it'll work to get you into the playoffs and schematics and all that. But they're a one trick pony, man. And I don't care how good your defense is. You've got to be able to score points in the, in today's NFL. Yep, absolutely. And, and you know, the, the one big play that the saints were able to, to bust was kind of that reverse pass and it was Jameis Winston, right? So they kind of yeah. snuck him in there and he throws the deep pass to a, to Traquan Smith uh, that really kind of, you know, was back and forth there through what the first three quarters. And it was really just the, the turnovers there uh, in the fourth quarter, um, you know, chiefly by breeze. I think they did. Uh, Jared Cook had one fumble as well, but I think they ended up with four turnovers when it was all said and done and just tough to overcome that, uh, uh, in in against any opponent, but let alone Tom Brady, right? And so he's a guy that seizes on those opportunities. You know, has done it uh, throughout his entire career over the last twenty years, certainly in the playoffs, right? But you know, he's going to yet another conference championship game again. Sets up a mega matchup with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers up in Lambeau on Sunday. That's going to be uh, uh, a fun one to watch, but. From an overall NFL perspective, Chad, you, you have to think that the NFL is giddy right now with the matchups that they have in the conference championships games, right? So you get you get Tom Brady, right? You get him all the way there for the for the TV ratings, kind of the storyline that goes there. They're taking on Aaron Rodgers and the Bucks, you know, 
probably the, the eventual NFL MVP and Aaron Rodgers. On the flip side, you got Mahomes and the Chiefs back there. You got a young, super talented, you know, excited fan base behind the Buffalo Bills kind of coming into it. You know, Mahomes looks like he's going to be healthy and that he's going to play. You would expect that the NFL is super excited about those two matchups this weekend, right? Absolutely. And, you know, back to your thing with, you know, the the fan base up there in Buffalo, I would argue that you've got three of the top five, five fan bases in these games, you know, between the Packers, Bills, and Chiefs. Yep. Like, they're they're all kind of small market teams, but they're rabid fan bases, right? Um, the Bucks is one that's interesting because you've got the big name like Tom Brady coming to South Florida uh, basically to – in you know invigorate that fan base and i think it's done well i mean i believe he was number two in jersey sales i think it's right um, yeah him and mahomes i think we're one and yeah, two him, I think, and the, yeah. him and mahomes were one too so that's what you want you want stars and, and look patrick mahomes we know is a mega star he's a half billion dollar star um he's taken over that town in kansas city josh allen is coming into his own and i would argue that he is probably more loved by his fan base than anybody else in the national football league. Um, you know, there's, he's one that, uh, you know, those fans, the, the bills mafia would, I, <laughs> they would do some damage for it. It's almost like Trump fans get oh, right. Man. Like, it's they're, the, they're the, just the crazy nuts. passion uh, kind of, and you know, the home Depot and Lowe's they're, they're rooting for the bills to win check. Cause the oh table, the table breaking is going to be it's an all time high this weekend. If it happens, bud. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, on the other side, you've got Aaron Rodgers, who, you know, just having a resurgent year, he's always been great, but he's always, he, he kind of fits Green Bay, you know, um, just kind of softer spoken, just go out there and get the job done and almost like a coal miner type stuff. And then you got Tom Brady, it's Tampa Bay, it's gorgeous sunshine. Hey, I'm 43 years old and I still look 23. Um, and we've got, you know, this, this offense that, is fun to watch right now. I mean, you've got pretty much almost like the Lakers a few years ago. Um, if you remember when, you know, they had, they had Kobe and then they had Shaq and then they put Carl Malone and Gary Payton yep. on the team. It's they put all the veterans just load up with veterans that everybody's ring chasing um, at this point. And I, I think, you know, it's working. It seems to be working. I think Tom and Gronkowski are having a great time there. Um, you can kind of see it in their play. And I mean, I think it's great for the league. Honestly, I, yeah. I, you know, we, we saw a couple weeks ago, it was the lowest, um, you know, ratings for a national championship game ever, uh, or not ever, excuse me, uh, since the invention of the playoff. And, you know, since like 2003 or something, which is crazy to me, um, you know, and it was just, it was teams that everybody knows. It's always Alabama. It's always, you know, Ohio State or Clemson or whatever it is. Now you've got, you've got some interesting storylines. The Bills are up and coming. The Bucks are now, you know, the Packers are back there. And everybody loves the Chiefs. They're still kind of in the honeymoon phase from winning the Super Bowl last year. So I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Again, a big big slate on starting on Sunday afternoon. And, uh, yeah, absolutely, go go watch that chalk, right? So we're going to have all those games on there. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be watching it from there. So, well, I want to shift gears on you, Chad. I want to talk a little bit about the NBA, but, in, in, you know, inevitably this always happens. Right after we recorded the pod last week, the James Harden trade, you know, gets announced. <laughs> and, you know, he pushes uh, the trade through finally to the Nets. They form their big three, right, with uh, Kyrie and uh, KD uh, uh, with uh, Harden there as well. But, you know, Kyrie's been out. He comes back last night. 
tonight, Chad, in, in you know, yep. scores 37 points, whatever it was. Harden, not as many points, but ends up with a triple-double as well. And so going to be interesting to see. Now, they lost that game in double overtime, gave up 147 points to the uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, which I think we all expected to probably be competing for the number one overall pick from a lottery standpoint this year. You know, a lot of hubbub, a lot of news, you know, talking about the Nets and obviously Kyrie's situation, and he's a – you know, a mercurial star to say the least there, but you bring Harden into the mix now as well. You know, they're only nine and seven, right? So, you know, a lot of news, a lot of buzz for what essentially a team that's one game over 500, but how do you anticipate that kind of, you know, working? How do you anticipate that kind of unfolding here in the weeks and months to come, bud? Well, you know, if this was the first time we'd ever seen big three kind of get together, I would be extremely skeptical of it. But I think over the years, ever since Miami and LeBron and Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade, everybody's made these uh, situations for the big three kind of the workout in the favor. They always figure it out, right? Whether it was Miami and then it was Golden State. Um, Maybe the Celtics, Celtics too, right? So you yeah, had Celtics uh, Garnett too, yeah, and Ray Allen. The, yeah, the, the, the OGs, the original mm-hmm. gangsters. Are, you know, Garnett, Paul Pierce, um, whatnot, and Ray Allen. Um I, I sit there and I think with this situation, there's always a a player within the big three that takes a back seat. Um, and I'm wondering which one it's gonna be in this in this regard. Like you said, we watched the Nets a couple times with James Harden and Russell, or excuse me, Kevin Durant. And I actually thought they looked really good. Like offensively, it kind of worked. You had Harden, who was being a little bit more pass-first point guard, but he was still deferring to Durant, letting him take end-of-game stuff. And I I think that's a great plan. Um, You even saw it last night. Kyrie comes out and just gets huge points in the first, second, third quarter. And then KD kind of takes over on the comeback in fourth quarter, and he ends up scoring more points on less shots and things of that nature. But you did see Russell Westbrook, or excuse me, James Harden. I'm still getting all these big (laughs) things. It still hurts, yeah. We we want them all to come back to Oklahoma City, man. It still hurts. (laughs) But but you saw James Harden go out there and get a triple-double. He sacrificed his shots. Um, You know, he facilitated a little bit more. And that's something that will be interesting to me to watch because you've got Kyrie and you've got James Harden who are kind of the de facto point guards. Which one is going to be, you know, more pass first because somebody's going to have to be. Or are they going to go to a situation to where if I've got three guys that have that much firepower, I'd probably put one with the second unit. And I'm not trying to, you know, screw with egos or anything like that. But look, there's there's only one basketball to you know, to push around. And if you're always sitting with those three, you know, you've got a three headed monster. Yes. But you know, are they going to be pushing their shot because they sit there and think in their mind, I'm not going to get another shot. You know, I'm not going to get the, the ball rotations. just not going to be there. We saw it with the warriors and Steve Kerr, that ball rotation was amazing. And everybody was pretty unselfish. It didn't matter who got their 40 that night, who got 20, who got 15. Like they were, they were all unselfish players. And I think, I think the Warriors don't get enough credit for that moving forward. They're like, you know, everybody wants to talk about greed and championships and bringing Kevin Durant when they had already won a championship. It's, it's kind of one of those things. I, I look at from the player standpoint and sit there and go, they all sacrificed and they all did well sacrificing for a championship. I don't know if this team's there, (laughs) Right, right? You know, just when I look at James Harden, Kyrie Irving, I think, I think Durant's okay with not being ball dominant, but 
I sit there and I'm I'm sitting there. Okay, I'll watch Kyrie and James Harden see if they can figure it out. I will bet they can figure it out. I don't think there's any value left. Vegas has them as already the favorite in the East, and I think it's too big of a oh, I guess a too big of a blow up in your face factor um, to kind of bet on them. I would still look at value in the Bucks, the Celtics, the Heat, things of that nature. Um, but you know. I think it will work at the end of the day. It's just all about how's it going to mesh. We, you know, when you put all the ingredients in the bowl, which one is, are they all going to mesh easily or is it going to take some time really pounding it out and, and getting that uh, stirring right so they all fit together? Yeah, and, the, and those guys, you know, they're they're crafty veterans now, right? So I'm sure they're going to yeah. pace themselves and really, you know, try to peak once the playoffs kind of come around. But but you're right. I mean, I think Steve Nash has his hands cut out or, or is a is, uh, – uh, a, a difficult situation. <laughs> yeah, you know, managing the minutes first and foremost, but then getting those lineup rotations, you know, kind of uh, factored into it, right? And you mentioned, right, it would make more sense to have one of those guys kind of come off the bench and be that sixth man, but you don't see, you know, I don't know that the no egos, yeah, the egos are going to allow for that. But I'll, I'll tell you, you know, keep an eye, the, the defensive, you know, identity of this team. You know, we, we yeah. think about the offensive prowess of those three players, and they are three of the best offensive players, arguably, at their position and, and uh, generational talent. Right, so it could could you know they're all conceivably could be Hall of Famers when it's all said and done, but we don't necessarily think of them being great defensive players, right? Out of those three guys, you think Kyrie probably the best of the of the three from a defensive standpoint, which is not not saying a lot in that regard. Yeah. But you know, how did the other role guys kind of fit in and, and give that team you know kind of a defensive identity? And and maybe it won't matter, right? Maybe if you're going to score 140 points a game, then you know you're probably you know you hold your opponent to 135 and you can be fine, right? So, but yeah. uh, it's going to be an interesting watch. Um, no doubt, will be a soap opera uh, in the in the days, weeks, and months to come. But uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll keep it eye on that but yeah uh, definitely excited to see how that unfolds but well Chad I, I want to take you to the world of college football my friend we think oh well college football just finished right so we have the national championship Alabama won you know whatever let's let's move on kind of take some time but the the news stories just won't stop and we got to talk about the Tennessee Volunteers Chad so oh, you know, we think about one of those you know a, a, a premier program at least it was for the longest time right they've kind of fallen on hard times here recently you know, the news came out, you know, there was a little bit of kind of smoke before the fire as to, hey, look, they're looking into some maybe some potential recruiting violations here. We don't know if uh, Coach Jeremy Pruitt and his staff is going to make it. Well, news comes out this week. They fire Jeremy Pruitt with cause, importantly, you know, uh, the kind of an yeah. important distinction there that uh, they're not going to pay him his $12 million that's owed on his contract. Now, he's going to fight that, obviously, but, you know, all kinds of salacious recruiting stories coming out, you know, giving players, you know, money in McDonald's bags and all kinds of other crazy stuff. Dumpster fire all around. Players are just jumping into the transfer portal and leaving left and right. You got some high schoolers asking to be released from their letters of intent that were signed last month. I mean, you want to talk about a toxic situation, Chad. I mean, how how does old Rocky Top get back on a solid footing here, my friend? I mean, it's going to take some time, I think, right? Absolutely. It's going to take some time, but I think everything kind of works in their favor. One, they're they're traditionally a powerful program. You know, everybody loves uh, Tennessee football down there in the south and big, the, yeah, the big Rocky fan Mountain. Base. Yeah. You know, like it's – I think from a standpoint, like at least – that program is enough to handle it. Um, and it may take, like you said, five, six, ten years, whatever the case may be. They're not going to get right back to the top. But it is one of those that 
they at least have some foundation that they can come in. Now, they're going to get rid of Philip Fulmer as well as athletic director. I think that's good. I think it's one of those that you just have to completely wipe it clean um, because it wasn't working. The other thing they got going for them, they're in the SEC. I mean, let's be honest. If this was a Pac-12 team, um, if this was a oh ACC team, like call it Boston College, like I, I just don't see it you know, replicating or coming back as fast. But there's always going to be someone that is willing to take an SEC job. Like Tennessee, they've got money. Um, they're going to be able to go out there and get a, a decent name. I'm not going to say it's going to be a big-time name because no one big-time is going to want to step into that program. But there is going to be someone that is going to be a, quote-unquote, steward of that brand that they will bring in. Um, you look at a smaller um, – what I would call a, a smaller school, uh, like a like someone like a Boise State. I know they just lost their their head coach, um, but I would think someone that has done well as a steward at where they're at, um, you know, kept the program w- within the 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 white lines on the road, is going to come in, going to get paid for that, and take it three four five years just to get stability and then they'll probably go out and get a big name higher I would think yeah definitely a steady hand on the wheel is probably what's necessary right now at least for the foreseeable future right now Kevin Steele one of the assistants uh he's been named the interim head coach now and our listeners may remember that name he you know kind of big 12 country right he used to uh head coach at Baylor and has made a lot of stops along the way as a defensive coordinator kind of a a, uh, really a bright mind on the defensive side of the ball he's going to be the interim man for the foreseeable future but yeah it's it's going to be interesting because I'm with you I don't I don't know that you know Tennessee obviously uh has the money and the cachet probably to go out and try to land a big name coach, but I don't know that anybody would want to touch it right now. I think you're right. No. They're, they're going to want that, uh, that fire to settle down there and kind of get, you know, two, three years removed from that before they come in. So I think we're on the same page there. It'll probably be a couple years of, you know, doldrums, so to speak, stay out yeah. of the news. Right. So, but I, you know, one name that continues to pop up for sec jobs was a former Ole Miss and the current Liberty head coach, Hugh freeze, right. That his name continues. It's like, well, he, he, the reason why he was let go at Ole Miss, a, a variety of reasons, but <laughs> yeah. rec- recruiting violations down there too. So I don't, I don't know that Tennessee would want to jump right back into that and uh, replace uh, Jeremy Pruitt with uh, with a Hugh Freeze, uh, uh, given the uh, uh, the reasons as to why he was no longer coaching in the SEC. But uh, yeah, going to be an interesting story there. And again, one of the one of the premier programs, right, from a college football uh, standpoint. And uh, I mean, yeah, the, gorgeous the, traditions, gorgeous uh, like I would say, hundred thousand fans. As it is yeah, like yeah. It, it's an ideal job. It's just finding a situation where that ideal job and all the administration and all the red tape aligns. Yep, absolutely. Well, we're going to stay in the world of college, Chad, uh, but I want to uh, go over to college basketball, right? So we talked about it, you know, a couple, uh, six, eight weeks ago, whatever it was, kind of right as college basketball was tipping off, we kind of made some of our way too early Final Four picks in uh, uh, kind of looking at some odds there. But, you know, fast forward now into mid to late January here, and it seems like two teams have kind of, you know, risen to the top, right? So we have two undefeated teams left in Gonzaga and Baylor, uh, 14-0 and 12-0 and respectively. You know, Baylor – had a big win against Kansas uh, midweek earlier this week. Gonzaga, 
you would anticipate they're going to dominate that uh, that Western Conference out there, uh, just as they always do. The question will be, can they run the table and go undefeated before tournament play starts? But you know, one of the interesting storylines that kicked out was that the uh, the Duke Blue Devils dropped from the top twenty five for the first time in uh, over five years. I think it was two thousand sixteen. Yeah. Obviously, they've taken a lot of games off, COVID issues. You know, Coach K has been very outspoken about, hey, should we even be playing this year? Uh, but but any thoughts from from a, the world of college basketball and any reason to bet on someone outside of Gonzaga and Baylor the way that it looks right now? I, I don't think so, personally, me. I mean, uh, it, it would be hard. I mean, you could get a team that gets streaky and gets hot, but I'm not betting against that. Like, I was looking at Baylor the other day, and they're the number two team in the nation, uh, still undefeated. I, you know, whatever it is, 14 or 15 games, almost all of them, I believe they had two games that were under 10-point point differential and those were by nine points and eight points this team is crushing people and they're crushing people in the big 12 that is traditionally one of the hardest basketball conferences i would sit there and it's say it's a good conference uh, yeah. A, yeah the the acc number one overall basketball conference not this year obviously but oh my gosh the big 12 usually has five or six teams that are problematic in the tournament um and even this year Texas is good. You know, they're a top five team and they're just slaughtering Texas. Texas Tech, uh, which actually beat Texas uh, in Austin the other day, they're a top 15 team. Uh, You've got traditional powers, Kansas, and Baylor's just crushing Kansas. So it's it's one of those, and I look at I look at that, and from a local standpoint, like, man, they are just killing everybody. I know everybody gets an off night, but I also sit there and go, they're gonna be on opposite ends of the, the bracket. I feel like one of these two teams is going all the way, if not meeting in the national title. I I get that there is going to be someone that probably trips one of them up along the way, but you still got to beat the other team too. So if you're, if you're betting on it, I'm, I'm not, I'm not betting a team to take out both Baylor and Gonzaga. Gonzaga has been crushing people too. Um, And I also think in a year like this year in college basketball, it's honestly probably best that they're not playing in the best conference because they're going to save some energy and save the dynamics and all that good stuff. Uh, so I, I sit there and I'm not betting against them, but I understand why some people want to. I just don't see a whole lot of value out there. Like you've got to be perfect to get the value. Like you have to physically pick that team. Obviously, if you gave me the opportunity to take, Baylor, Gonzaga, or the field, and you gave me some odds on the field, okay, maybe I look at it. But there's just no one out there with the value that I sit there and go like, okay, you know, even if you give me Texas at, you know, call it 15 to 1, I still sit there and go, I don't know if the odds match up. I don't think I don't think they win one out of 15 times in that tournament. But that but that's just me, man. Yeah, and, and you you mentioned Baylor just kind of being not not only winning but winning impressively, and you know that's always a, one of the questions that come up with the Zags too is that whenever they get to this point, you know how 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 do we seed them because because of the conference that they play in, right? So obviously yeah. you know not as much depth, and you talk about the big Big Twelve and Big Ten. I'm with you, usually battling it out right there for maybe the second best conference, you know, year in and year out behind the ACC. ACC obviously being so deep on normal years, right? This year obviously a little bit different in that regard, but you know the Big Twelve. You mentioned all those teams. You get West Virginia. 
Virginia in there as well. Ranked at number 14, 15, depending upon which poll. But Oklahoma State and Oklahoma are pretty good as well, kind of right there just on the fringe of the top 25 now as well. And so, you know, you wouldn't shock me if, what, seven teams uh, out of the uh, the Big 12 end up making the tournament whenever it's all said and done. And so a uh, super deep conference. And so just kind of putting a pin on the fact that, you know, Baylor – they're they're not doing it against a bunch a bunch of also rans. I mean, they're doing it against some pretty pretty steep competition in the Big Twelve, and so you know, it will be interesting to see if they can they can run the table from a from a conference standpoint. You would anticipate that they are going to slip up at some point, just because that Big Twelve conference is so deep. One of those road games, uh, the, the threes won't be fallen, or, or the other team will just shoot an absurd number uh, and, and kind of catch you on an off night there. But yeah, I'm with you. You know, one of my teams that we had picked way back when, six, eight weeks ago, you know, the Houston Cougars, you know, kind of right there in the top 10, you know, eight, nine, you know, they're sitting there at 11 and one. But again, that, that, you know, level of competition there in the American, you maybe have to question that a little bit. You know, Memphis not quite as good uh, as maybe what they've been in past years as well. But I, I like I like the Cougs there, um, and uh, you know, still from a from a value standpoint, you know, they're guard dominant and heavy. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to get to March. Right, the news kind of obviously came out a couple weeks ago. March Madness tournament is all going to be right there in in Indianapolis, right? So some satellite, you know, uh, arenas there around Bloomington and West Lafayette and Purdue and stuff where some of the play-in games will be. Uh, but uh, what it'll be here before we know it, Chad. What March twenty first and twenty second, I think, is the, the opening yeah. two rounds. So looking forward to it's that. Coming. So I know where I'll be. I know where you'll be as well. So we'll uh, probably have to get us <laughs> make sure we got a table reserved up there at uh, at Chalk for that one. So totally. Well, well, brother. Well, let's let's jump into the football games this weekend, my friend. So again, you're, you're on a hot streak, my friend. So I don't want to jinx you here, but you you were four for four last week. I think you got uh, uh, three out of six or four out of six on the wild card weekend as well. So, so you've got a good thing going here. Don't let me screw it up for you, okay? So we're, we'll start. Okay. We'll go in order. <laughs> Announcer curse. Absolutely. So uh, NFC Championship uh, on the slate first. Uh, again, we talked about it. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers heading up to take on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers on the uh, the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. Not sure what the weather's going to be like as of yet. Again, this past weekend, it was cold, but it wasn't terrible uh, for the Packers and Rams game there, but I've seen this line kind of oscillate back and forth, Chad, around that three to three and a half uh, uh, line here. Packers obviously the favorite here. The total 50 and a half, 51, depending upon your book. You know, I think that that hook there on that three point might uh, kind of factor into some decision making there, but who you got in Bucks versus Pack, bud? Man, honestly, I'm going to stay on the Bucks train here. Um, obviously, they beat them in week week five or week four, or whatever it was, 38 to 10. I do think it's much closer. Um, but if there's one guy that can go into Lambeau and come out with a with a win at quarterback, I think it's Tom Brady. Um, I think this Bucks team is extremely. Um, I guess you would say rejuvenated uh, from the season. I I like what they do offensively. I like Bruce Arians. I do think from an offensive standpoint, like, you know, the Packers are a tough matchup. You know, they've got some young receivers in uh, Scantling Valdez, I believe, is it, or is it Valdez Scantling? Valdez Scantling, um, yep. <laughs> Valdez Scantling. And then uh, Alan Lazard that are complementary pieces, and then their, uh, their tight end Runyon. Devontae Adams is obviously the the one that you sit there and go, hey, we got to put somebody on him. But I think if if I understand kind of what the Bucs want to do, I would sit there and think the Bucs don't have a shutdown corner like, quote-unquote, the Bills with the, the, the whites on the outside. I would sit there and I would let Devontae Adams get his. I would try and limit everybody else and you're a Bucks offense. You can score. You can go score to score 
with the Packers. And if they only have, if you shut down everyone else and they only have one out, um, I'm taking the bucks uh, on, on this one, just for a fact of, I think Tom Brady understands what it's going to take. He's going to have the guys playing well. There's an obvious, there's obviously a reason that he's had 19 healthy seasons, 20, if you count the, the year he tore his ACL and he's been to 14 conference championships. He's gone to nine Super Bowls and he's won six it's crazy. There's a reason for that, you know, and, I think there's a reason. I think Aaron Rodgers, I just don't think he has that killer mentality, right? Yeah, obviously he's won a couple MVPs, a couple Super Bowls, but Tom Brady is an organization. You know, I think ESPN said it best, and um, it's he is an organization, and he figures out what's best for the organization, and that kind of falls in line to where Aaron Rodgers, to me, is a brand. He's he's arguably the most talented football player we've ever seen on this earth. Greatest arm, you know, great mind. But I just don't know if he wants it as, as much. And so I sit there and I think Brady's legacy goes back to another Super Bowl and just further compliments the GOAT status. Wow, big pick here. And, and yeah, you mentioned uh, the difference in the demeanor between the two quarterbacks, right? And, and you're right. I mean, you know, Brady, he has that competitive edge. You think about, you know, the Michael Jordans of, uh, and, you know, guys of the past that kind of have had that next level, especially in these types of moments, right? Whenever you get to the conference championship game, you get to the playoffs, you get to the, uh, the, uh, the, the Super Bowl or the NBA Finals, whatever it is, that those guys tend to raise their game even a, a another level or, or that competitive nature goes up a uh, another uh, notch as well it's a fool's errand going against you my friend uh, as you've proven here over the last <laughs> two weeks that. but uh, but I think I'm going to take the Packers here and so I, I think you know one of the 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 things that kind of got lost in the shuffle in the Bucks and Saints game this past Sunday Chad is that the Saints were actually having some success running the ball Right, you know, they yeah. get behind, you know, the two scores there late in the fourth, you know, the, the interceptions by uh, Drew Brees kind of put them behind the eight ball. But you kind of go back and look at the stats, you know, Kamara had nearly 100 yards rushing on, I think, yeah. 16 attempts. And so they were having some success running the ball. And so I think that you can get at this Bucks defense. You know, we, we talked about, you know, Devin White, the linebacker, you know, just a tremendous player. He covers, you know, all over the place and had, I think he had one of the interceptions, maybe the final one that kind of sealed that game against the Saints and uh, Drew Brees on Sunday. Tremendous player there. Not not going to question the offensive prowess of the Bucks. I mean, they're clicking. They they seem to have jailed and kind of you know have it all working right now. But I think the Saints helped them out a little bit this past week. I, I think the Packers and Aaron Jones are going to be able to run the football, and so I'm going to go pack here. And uh, I, I you know under the under the totals it kind of on the uh, last weekend it was the first weekend it was the overs that kind of all hit, and then this past weekend in the divisional round it was the unders. I think we're going to revert back here, and so I'm going to take the uh, the Packers in the over as well. You know, I, I like this being a 35-27 type of game. I do think it's going to be close. I mean, yeah. they're not going to blow Brady out by any means. I mean, he's going to find a way to be there in the end. But I'm going to take the pack to cover on this one. So we're going to go heads up again. Again, probably probably not good for me, but we'll uh, <laughs> maybe maybe I'm due, Chad. So well, let's <laughs> let's go to the night cap, my friend. Again. Super exciting matchup on paper here as well. The Buffalo Bills are high flying. We talked about that Bills Mafia and the fan base. They're, they're geeked up, right? First, uh, the deep run in the playoff for damn near 20 years now, whatever it's been. The Chiefs, defending champs, right? It seems like Patrick Mahomes is going to be healthy and going to be able to go this Sunday after the concussion against the Bill or the Browns, excuse me, this past weekend. But I've seen this line kind of oscillate as well, Chad. It's right there on that three to two and a half line, right? So I've seen it kind of yeah. you know bounce back and forth here. The Chiefs, obviously, the favorite there. In Arrowhead total here 53 and a half 53 as well so again 
uh, Vegas expecting some points to be scored in this one. I would anticipate that that's going to be the case as well. But who do you got in Bills and Chiefs in the AFC, bud? Well, you know, obviously we're still waiting to hear about Mahomes. And like you said, we haven't heard anything concrete yet, but I think everybody in the world expects him to play. Um, Having said that, like, the Chiefs have looked good when they want to look good, right? It's never been something to where they haven't been able to get it going when they wanted to get it going. And I I look at some of their past games to where maybe they were only covering by – you know, uh, less than a score, six, seven points and whatnot. And to me, it looked like they were just so good that they were trying out new things, right? They were trying out different strategies, trying out this, trying out this here because they could afford to, you know, trying different players in different schemes. And now we're in the playoffs and, you know, look, that first, that first half against the Browns, I don't see who was going to stop them. You know, I mean, the Browns defense is relatively good and the Chiefs, you know, they should have been up. I think it was they were up 19 to three at half, but they should have been up 26 to three. Yep, yep. And it should have been put out. Um, now, I, I still don't understand why you're, you know, you're in the playoffs and it's fourth and one or third and one or whatever. And you're, you're, you're calling a speed option with your half billion dollar boy. But, um, you know, that's neither here nor there. I, I understand you got to put your players at risk and you can't, you can't play for fear of an injury. Um, but saying that, I just think this Bills team's special. I mean, if you look at the only game they've lost over the past, what it is, 12 weeks, has been the Hale Murray, you know, the, 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 the Arizona Cardinals. Yep. And last second, I mean, that's pretty special. And I, the one thing that I wouldn't bet against is belief right now. Um, look, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs have been to the mountaintop. They did it last year, and the Super Bowl hangover is real. And it is so hard to go back-to-back, so hard to go back-to-back. Rarely do Super Bowl teams come back that next year and even make the playoffs because it's so hard. Now you've got the Chiefs. Look, I, I, I swear they can score with anybody, but you're going up against a team that can score just as much uh, you know, with you, and they've got the horses to do it. You know, I... I like Josh Allen in this. I like the underdogs here, man. I I like getting the points, and I'm I think the Bills, man. I'm with you. We're on the same page here for all the same reasons. Again, we alluded to it earlier in the pod. The Bills are finding ways to win games in diff- different manners, Chad. So, and that's what's I think the most impressive thing to me is that they're almost kind of solving a different Rubik's cube every week. It's like, all right, well, if you're going to take that away, then we're going to do this. And you know, from a defensive standpoint, you know, you mentioned that secondary and that they're they've they've really gotten better as the season has progressed. And I think this is going to be one of those games of of red zone efficiency. Right, so I think the Bills, it's going to be a lot of, you know, bend but don't break. You know, the Chiefs are going to move the ball in between the 20s. There's no doubt about that. You can't really stop them. But can you bow your neck and stiffen up in the red zone, force them to kick field goals, which the Browns did a pretty good job of this past yeah. weekend, right? So they forced them to kick a couple of field goals. They, I think they missed an extra point and all kinds of other crazy stuff there. Then the winds will swirl and arrowhead, and it's going to be out in the conditions and whatnot. But I'll tell you. I just think that I'm with you. The the Bills have have a feel to them, and I think that there's that hunger there. You mentioned, man, once you've won it once, you know it's really hard to repeat. And there's a reason why it's only happened a handful of times throughout the last 55 years of the, the NFL's history. Uh, you know, the Chiefs are really good. Not going to take anything away, but obviously, you question marks about. You know, is Mahomes going to be 100%? You know, I think there's question marks about their ability to run the football whenever they absolutely need to. Right with 
question that fourth and one call, you know, kind of the quick out to Tyreek Hill. Obviously, it worked, so you can't really bitch about it now. But I do think that there's necessity in why Andy Reid kind of schemes up some of those plays is that I don't know that they can just turn around and hand the ball off to, you know, a Clyde Edwards-Alaire or uh, 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 his name escaped, the guy they got from the Jets as, uh, uh, as well. Oh, Le'Veon uh, Bell. Yeah, Le'Veon yeah. Bell, right? So he hasn't – I don't think he's made as much of a difference as maybe what we all thought he would whenever he came over in that trade, you know, right before the trade deadline and stuff. And so I'm with you. We're on the same page. We both like the Bills. We both like those points. I would tend to lean towards slightly the under in this one. I think if the Bills are going to win this thing, I think they're going to have to maybe ugly it up, you know, kind of keep it in the 20s, you know, something like a, a 27 to uh, to 24, somewhere in that ballpark or something. So maybe just under uh, if I'm going to uh, to take take a, a pick on the total here. But uh, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be Packers Bills. You got Bucks and Bills, and I think either either one of those. Super Bowl matchups would be a lot of fun to watch. Plenty of storylines going into it. And so, yeah, I would, uh, I'd be tickled with either one of those outcomes, my friend. So, yeah. Well, but one of the big events of the weekend, you know, Saturday night, if you will, Saturday evening, if we'll call it that, given some of the time difference there. But uh, we have to talk about the UFC. And I think, you know, you and I have said on this pod in the past, whenever there's been big pay-per-views, is that, you know, we're not hardcore MMAers, right? So we're more of the mainstream. You know, we, we follow the big fights. Uh, we follow the big names and, and, the, and the big storylines. And obviously, we've got a big storyline this weekend. Conor McGregor makes his return to uh, to the UFC, taking on Dustin Poirier, right? So these two fought once already, I think six years ago. McGregor, McGregor mm-hmm. won that fight, knocked him out there. I watched the press conference this morning, Chad, on uh, on ESPN. Somewhat, uh, I mean, everybody was well-behaved. You know, you think about Conor yeah. McGregor and all the crazy crap that's happened at press conferences in the past. You know, I think he's matured a little bit now, obviously gotten a little older, probably learned the hard way for some of the issues that he's gotten into in the past. He was obviously well-dressed, but he struck me as a man who was supremely confident, Chad. And he's the favorite going into it this weekend. No surprise there. Tons of money continues to pour in on McGregor out in Vegas. And the line hasn't changed a whole lot. He's a minus 300, 305 favorite here. But your thoughts on McGregor's return. Dustin Poirier, again, has been on a hot streak himself here. The number two uh, ranked a fighter in the lightweight division. But your thoughts on the big pay-per-view this weekend, bud? I think Dustin Poirier is a great fighter. Um, now, having said that, I think uh, Khabib, I think McGregor are just in a different stratosphere, so to speak. I, you know, for everything McGregor has done, and personally, I don't, I don't particularly like the guy. I, I like what he does, you know, his his performance and yep. everything. But as a person, I'm just kind of like, yeah, he's probably a trash bag, <laughs> you know, whatnot. But he's he's hella good at what he does, man, and understanding that you know he lost to Khabib um fourth round um submission you got to understand that's the hardest Khabib's ever had to work for any any sort of victory and out of his 29 and look McGregor had a couple rounds in there to where you were like he might be winning this fight depending on how the judges score the card um I think I think Poirier is running into a buzzsaw right now um I do think Coming up six years, six, seven years ago, whatever, McGregor was this cocky Irishman that relied on, you know, you know, his younger body, uh, his skill set and all that good stuff. I think he's a hard worker. I think he was a motor mouth, but I also think time has probably softened him a little bit. Um, getting engaged to his longtime girlfriend, having a couple having a kids, kid. two or three kids now, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He went to Portugal, basically sat there and, you know, did some Buddhist monk type stuff, trained by the water. And that has apparently calmed him and 
in everything, whatever the, the case may be. I, I, I think McGregor absolutely kills this fight. I think he just, I think he takes out Poirier in, in, in under, under two rounds, maybe under three. Um, I don't think there's any value in betting McGregor because he's such a big, he's such a big uh, long shot right now. So I think the best you're going to do and the, you know, the most value and pay, baby payout is betting either round one, two or three. I don't think it goes four. I don't think it goes five. I think, I think McGregor takes it down in one, two, or three. Yep, I'm with you. I want to see a good fight, and I would love for it to go, you know, three, four, five rounds. You'll go into the championship rounds before before we see a knockout or a finish here. You obviously, you always hope to see a finish as opposed to it going to the judges' scorecards because the. I mean, we always used to bitch about boxing, you know, judging Chad. I think UFC judging might be might be oh, just as, as, as bad, man. So there's been some uh, dubious uh, outcomes in 2020 uh, on some of the pay per views and the events that I've watched uh, with regards to uh, going to the scorecards. But I'm with you. You know, McGregor, he did. Like I said, I watched the press conference this morning. You know, the time change, it was kind of on early here this morning. It's kind of getting up, having having some coffee and stuff. And he just, there's a different feel to him. And, again, I don't know yeah. if it's maturity. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, just as we get older, you know, we kind of become more comfortable in our own skin as to who we are. But uh, he was very polished, uh, said all the right things. And, again, wasn't, you know, he said some things that were, you know, could be borderline arrogance or whatever. But those guys, you know, and to be in that game, you have to be pretty arrogant. You have to believe in yourself, right? Because if you don't, yeah. you don't think you're going to win, and then uh, certainly uh, the other guys, the other guys, not going to think you're going to win either. But uh, you know, I, I was impressed by that. Seems to be in a good place. Uh, and, and again, he's a big favorite for a reason. I'm with you. You know, trying to find props or other things in there to where you could extract some value, given that McGregor is such a big favorite here. You know, the under oh, total on this one's under two and a half, right? So essentially, the halfway point there. You know, I like McGregor via TKO, and then maybe pair that with a second round TKO, Chad. So, and I know the kind of a same you know same game parlay, right? So it depends upon your book and whether you can kind of pair some of those things together and stuff. But you know, McGreg- a McGregor TKO or KO wins minus one ninety uh, for it to go or for McGregor to win in the second rounds plus 330 so if you can find a way to pair those things together you might you might end up getting six or seven to one uh, from an odd standpoint trying to pair some things together but I, I think that is probably you know I think we're on the same page right I don't I wouldn't anticipate a submission finish here that's not what either one of these guys do they're strikers yep. so you would anticipate it to be finished via TKO or straight knockout and, and I'm with you this thing won't go the distance uh, I think it uh, probably ends in the uh, first, second, or third round for sure. I don't see it going to the fourth or the fifth. But if we're we're wrong on that, it'll it'll make for an entertaining fight. So, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun to watch. If nothing else, McGregor he he draws audiences, right? So I, I think the. Um, the pay-per-view pre-purchases already are kind of up there with some of the all-time high numbers leading into a UFC pay-per-view. So oh, yeah. the man, the man can sell a fight. So, and there's a couple of interesting uh, uh, fights on the subcard as well, kind of leading up to it. But obviously, all eyes will be on McGregor and Poirier in that main event uh, Saturday night. So, so looking forward to that, bud. So. Well, brother, again, we're up against the hour mark here, man. So I think we've covered our lines for this week. But for our listeners out there, you you can follow Chad and the whole Chalk team on Twitter and Instagram at ChalkOKC or follow them on the web at ChalkOKC.com or or go visit them, right? So all kinds of great deals, all kinds of fun sporting events going on, right? We got NBA basketball. We got college basketball. We talked about the NFL playoffs on Sunday. I'm sure it'll be a a fun environment up there on Sunday afternoon. And uh, and I'm going to see you on on Friday, uh, my friend. Absolutely. See you tomorrow. We'll go up there, have a beverage, and 
go on down the road. Looking forward to that, my friend. So, well, again, while this will wrap it up for this episode, gang, the conversation does not end here. To keep it going and to also keep up with everything we're doing over at the Sports Pros Network, check us out at fantasysportspros.com or on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And remember, that's pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. Enjoy the games this weekend. Good luck on your bets and take care, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.